Hello and welcome to the show that's accidentally turned up for work in its wife's clothes. It's episode 30 today and over the course of this incredible season we have been up close and personal with every single football league team. So it's time to go up a gear for the run-in. This week we look back at Cardiff's clash with Wolves, at Plymouth's late victory over Peterborough and that rarest of things, a Grimsby Town victory. We'll make a bit of time for Lincoln, we'll play the Fan League, we've got Matt Stanger, Sam Parkin and Joe Crilly's Stuntcock and it's all in the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Morning everyone, Sam Parkin, hello. Hi Ian, how you doing? I'm alright thanks, a, a little Good. more constrained than I hoped to be. <laughs> Matt Stanger? Morning Ian, I liked uh, accidentally wearing your wife's clothes. <laughs> it was very early. I grabbed at a hoodie. It suits you. I very much grabbed the wrong one. I've just pulled it on because this studio is much, much colder than our, our underground jazz lair. And uh, yes, I, I think it works. I, a couple of years ago, I could have pulled this off. Social Paul is in the office, standing in for Joe Crilly. How are you, Paul? I'm pretty good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. For those who don't know, Social Paul is a Southampton fan, so he'll be taking far more of an interest in this show next season. But plenty of time to discuss things like that. Uh, after we've done performance of the week, Matt, who, who stood out for you? A few teams, and they were all picked by everyone else, so I went for <laughs> Blackpool's 5 0 willing up for Bradford. Well... You did all right. 23% of the vote. That, that's not too bad. Um, Joe Crilly went for Hull. Didn't do much better. 24%. Uh, producer Tayo, who did you go for? Millwall. I was very impressed with Millwall's uh, playoff rivals win against Bristol City at home. It was a fantastic result. We will talk more about it, but I'm afraid I only had eyes for Barnsley. And I got him first. 28% of the vote. Well done, Barnsley. Um, really, really good performance there. Let's have a look, though, at the news in brief. Win or lose, Accrington Stanley will be eating at McDonald's. The EFL have concluded their high-level investigation into Chairman Andy Holt's post-match burger bonanza for his players and have decided it does not represent a bonus in breach of EFL regulations as long as he does it after every game. The EFL has reminded the club of its responsibilities in relation to meeting EFL regulations, a statement said in the voice that can only be used for EFL statements now. It's a matter for the club to ensure it complies with all appropriate HMRC guidance regarding such matters. There you go then. Uh, hui, modern football, want a story that will warm your heart? Sunderland's clash with Fulham on April 28th has been moved to a Friday night for the benefit of TV and travelling Black Cat fans are not happy. Uh, but all is not lost. Non-league club Dulwich Hamlet have offered free entry to any Sunderland fans unable to change their train and hotel details for their crucial clash against Margate FC. We know that it won't be quite the same as watching your beloved Black Cat, said a uh, club representative, but we can promise that unlike our hosts Tooting and Mitchum, we don't wear black and white stripes. Well, that gesture's gone down well with Sunderland's fans, with one message board wag noting there's a good move to get interest for when we're playing them in a couple of years. Ouch. Yeah, the week, actually. Tooting and Mitchum. Were you there at Tooting and Mitchum? What are yeah, they like? They're struggling uh, towards the bottom end of the table. Uh, they played all right. It was terrible, terrible conditions. It was one of those snowy weekends and they, they lost to Hendon, who were up uh, near the top end of the division. But great gesture for them to uh, share their stadium with Dulwich as well. Oh, yeah, I thought you were talking about Sunderland there. I thought, F- me, that's a bit of a commute. <laughs> <laughs> that's never going to work. Right, Sam, one thing that's really worried me about this Accrington thing is it's not the idea of any kind of unfair advantage being offered by a £2.50 Happy Meal, but every week the Accrington Stanley players are eating at McDonald's. Now, I'm no scientist, (laughs) but I'm not sure that's going to be really good for professional athletes. I don't know if you've been to the Western Homes Community Stadium in the last few years, but... uh... Is a, there couldn't be a better place, McDonald's. It's about 50 yards from the entrance. <laughs> so that, that was coming. That photo was coming. <laughs> is this just convenience? They so. must have known it. Yeah, they probably had their pre-match meal on Saturday and making their way to the ground. The chairman and the manager probably spied it, the McDonald's. So it was, it was perfect. Um, but is this something about uh, Accrington? The reason they're in such astonishingly good form is just they've got this spirit in the team now. Yeah. I mean, it's been well publicised. been a lot written about it, but... I had a long conversation after I ribbed Mark Hughes last week on the podcast about his shinned finish and I chatted to him uh, a couple of days before the, the last game and he just told me all about the spirit. 
you know, and they haven't got a training facility, Ian. They train on the council-owned AstroTurf. He told me a story, I hope he doesn't mind me saying it, but they trained there on before the bank holiday game against Notts County, the biggest game of the season. They turned up, there was two pub teams playing an 11 aside. John Coleman asked them to move aside so they could do 10 minutes of their set pieces in their shape. So, I mean, that, that's what we're talking about here. It's, it's a beautiful story, but they've got a good team, and we spoke about it before we uh, started today. He hasn't made a substitution in seven games. That's so incredible. He hasn't had any injuries, and he's got the consistency of a starting lineup. Boy's doing the business for him, but Hughesy was very quick to say to me, the players that are on the fringes, you know, they can step in at any moment and do an equally good job as the starting eleven. You know, they've got that real camaraderie and the strength in that squad as well. And that's Accrington Stanley. Don't have a training pitch. Second, a joint lowest wage bill in the in the division. And next season, they'll be quite likely to be in the same division as Sunderland, who have an annual wage bill of nearly £60 million. Time for the Championship Roundup. Ruben Neves hit the winning goal for Wolves as first beat second on Friday, but nobody was talking about that after a sensational last couple of minutes that saw Cardiff miss two penalties. Neil Warnock, always a man to treat triumph and disaster as imposters just the same, took the result with great dignity and would later invite the Wolves coaching team for celebratory cocktails in his office afterwards. The gap between Cardiff in second and Fulham in third is now just two points after the Cottagers won 1-0 away at Sheffield Wednesday. Alexander Mitrovic hit his ninth goal in nine games with just 12 minutes to go. Fulham haven't been beaten since December 16th. And it's just one win in five for Aston Villa now after a crushing 3-1 defeat in Norwich. Josh Murphy hit a glorious first half opener and despite Jack Grealish's snapshot from outside the box Steve Bruce's team couldn't get back into the game there's seven points off Cardiff now Barnsley boosted their survival hopes after coming from behind to beat Sheffield United 3-2 in a barnstorming Yorkshire derby but things look bleak for Burton they're now seven points adrift of safety after conceding a late equaliser in a 1-1 draw at Birmingham and Hull are up to 18th after ending QPR's run of form with a 4-0 win the darkness is closing in on Sunderland now. They're getting better, though. This one-all draw at Ellen Road would have been a decent result had it, you know, not been for the rest of the campaign. They are seven points adrift with just five games left. Reading aren't out of it yet either. Another win for Paul Clement has vindicated the sacking of Yapstan, but they're still only on 42 points. Plenty more work to be done there. Millwall, though. Millwall. 26 points from a possible 30 and another three picked up at the den this weekend with this 2-0 victory over Bristol City. They are only one point outside the playoffs now. They will be shitting bricks over at Premier League HQ. It was an unhappy return to Teesside for Ita Karanka. He watched his Forest side lose 2-0 to Borough. Forest now haven't scored for five games and have drawn a blank in 10 of Karanka's 15 matches. Derby are back up and running though. They beat Bolton 3-0 to strengthen their grip on a playoff spot while Brentford are still sniffing around the top six after a 1-0 win over Ipswich. Right, Cardiff against Wolves, Friday night. Let's get to the crux of the matter. Uh, Matt, are you Team Warnock or Team Nuno? Team both of them, I think. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people say it's the sort of thing that they don't like to see in football and handbags and the rest of it, but it was just incredibly entertaining. Brilliant scenes to end a brilliant finale to what wasn't a great game, but... Wolves obviously flying high now at the top of the division. Looks like they're going to be going up. But um, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic, wasn't it? Sam, have you ever seen anything like that at the end of a game? No, it was very unique, wasn't it? The ending. And I think that's just it. You know, if uh, it was on the other side of the coin, if it was Neil Warnock, um, <laughs> seeing his side uh, survive a couple of penalties and then, and then winning in that fashion, I'd imagine his celebrations would have been quite overzealous as well. But I think... Yeah, if he's got a little bit of a rule, Neil Warnock, that he always shakes hands, I can understand, but it's circumstantial, isn't it? I, I, just, I, I think we're all winners, really, because that was hilarious. And uh, and also, I mean, you know, he's just dodged two bullets in injury time mm. to seal a win that has almost certainly put Wolves in the Premier League. I think he's quite entitled to run off and celebrate. And equally, Neil Warnock is quite entitled to react in whichever way he wants after going through something like that. Um, but... Has this masked some serious deficiencies here in, in Cardiff? Because two penalties missed in injury time, that's not pretty. No, well, the first penalty was pretty poor, wasn't it, by Medine. The second one would have been a cracker if it was just a few inches to the left from Hoylett. Uh, I've actually seen this happen before. As a Blackburn fan, in 2006, we played Bolton at home. Um, we got two late penalties. We were losing 1-0 as well. Missed both of them. First, Benny McCarthy steps up. Yaskaline and saves that. Then Roberts steps up and uh, misses as well and so uh, I, I know what it's like watching that thinking 
surely to God we're going to get something out of this game now and still coming away with no points. I mean, as a player, if you go through something like that, you, you'll have games where certain things will happen and you'll think, this is our, it, like mm. it's meant to be. And then you'll have things like that happen. And they in that dressing room, they must be thinking, oh God, we've, we've really blown it. Yeah, they'll be devastated. And uh, yeah, surprised that Medine... Uh, stepped up for the first one considering he's not scored a goal yet for Cardiff and then uh, the second one I've got my own theory on that Junior Hoylet was Polax just before the penalty was awarded stepped up maybe he was a little bit worse for wear when he uh, picked out the crossbar but now they're, they're going to be reeling you know for a couple of days but they need to bounce back uh, got some massive games coming up and you know if you were asking me who that last five pound was to go on in the bookies I'd still favour Cardiff over Fulham but you just never know because Fulham are in such great form all right, well, we spoke to someone who knows Cardiff uh, better than all of us, uh, Danny Gabadon. Well, what a game on Friday. I think the only place to start is at the end. Um, what did you make of Neil Warnock's reaction to defeat? <laughs> um, I suppose it was uh, very Neil Warnock-like. You know, he's not the first time he's he's blew his top, I suppose. You know, he is a, a big personality, a big character. And you could probably understand a little bit why he was so um, so angry, so aggrieved. I think, obviously, the way the result went, I think that was the main reason, really. I think he was disappointed to lose the game in the manner they did. Obviously, he knew Nuno Espirito Santo is um, a fiery character as well. Um, his his backroom staff and himself have kind of reacted like that a, a few times this season uh, to getting get results after games. And um, it was just one of those things, really. I think both of the managers were in the wrong a, a little bit. Um, credit to Neil Warnock. The next day, he kind of came out and half apologised for his, his behaviour. And it's all about them moving on to the next game. Obviously, a big game coming up um, against Villa Tuesday. But it was a yeah fantastic ending to the game. And obviously, Cardiff disappointed to, to be on the wrong end of, of the result. You know Cardiff better than most. How are they going to react to this? Because as he says, Aston Villa coming up. Is this... Is this going to break him or is it going to make him? You can try and use this negative and turn it into a positive and, you know, you hope it will galvanise the team, uh, make them stronger and, um, and maybe they'll they'll perform a bit better now between now and the, the end of the season. But I think the fact that they've had a, a game come round very quickly um, is great for the players that they've not been able to kind of dwell on that result too much because you could see how disappointed they were after the game that the Cardiff players... Um, it, that that would have really hurt them in the dressing room, but you know they have a fantastic manager in Neil Warnock who's, who's been there, done it, and for me probably the the most important person in and around that dressing room uh, for Cardiff City going forward, uh, bigger than, than than any player in the squad, and um, his knowledge and experience and um, earning his money, picking the players up now um, and getting them going again will be vital. So I think just having a game really close after that one. Is exactly what they need. How's he done it? Because no one thought Cardiff would be anywhere near this position at the start of the season. Yet there they are, still up there in second. Yes, he's done an incredible job in a short space of time. You know, coming into the club, um, I think the club were possibly in the relegation zone. Cardiff when he took over the job, um, you know, it wasn't just getting the team performing. Um, it, was, it was getting the crowds back into the stadium. There was a lot of you know, off the field stuff he had to kind of deal with as well. Um, you know, bringing new players into the team. Um, so it's, it's amazing the job that he's done um, in the short space of time. I think start of the season, most Cardiff fans would have said, you know, if we can get to the playoffs, then then great. But, you know, they got off to a fantastic start. And I think that was the key, really. That gave a lot of confidence to the team. I think they won five on the bank start of the season and, and didn't look back. It got to Christmas. It looked as if they'd uh, blown the gasket a little bit. But you know, he was able to, to wheel and deal in the transfer market, get some bodies in, and they'd managed to go on a fantastic run again. But he, he's a brilliant manager, having worked under him myself at, at QPR for a short period of time. He's, he's just a fantastic kind of motivator. Um, you won't always agree as a player with some of the things that he does. He's, he's a little bit old school with his management. But you know, when it comes around to, to, to game day, he just has a way of, of getting his players performing for him. Um, and, and he's just very honest you know if you don't do the job for him then you know you'll know about it someone else will, will play instead of you but if you do very well if you're playing well for him then then he's good to you in that way as well so um, I think he, he was just exactly what what Cardiff needed they, they've always had a good squad there but the players were underperforming and he's just come in and, and got everyone playing that 5-10% better and and there's a fantastic team spirit there now, which is probably their biggest strength over anything you could look at the, the defence that they've got this season. And 
some of the individual players going forward. But but the biggest strength for the team is, is that team spirit. So I think, you know, that will hold them in good stead between now and the end of the season. Matt, it wasn't a great game, but it was a hell of a goal, wasn't it? It was a brilliant goal and uh, he'd actually had a couple of efforts earlier on in the match as well which had uh, tested Etheridge and he's just got brilliant technique, hasn't he? The way he strikes a ball, Neves. I mean, it was a fantastic free kick. Etheridge perhaps could have moved his feet a little bit quicker. I think if David Priest was here in the studio with us, uh, <laughs> he, would, he would have been saying that. But uh, but yeah, the, the, the quality that, that Neves offers for Wolves in the, in the midfield is just incredible for a championship side and he's he's definitely going to get snapped up I think at, at some stage well I don't know I mean it, it might be the the way that Wolves do things I wonder if they'll keep him for another year and, and have him there for the first year in the Premier League I mean he's a Champions League standard player isn't he Sam he's outstanding it's very difficult to see a weakness in his game I mean he's capable of breaking up play he's got this really nice way of manipulating the ball quick feet in a tight midfield area when there's tackles coming in but then his, his range of passing and he can get goals as well. So it's very difficult to see any any weakness in his game at all. And there'll be some massive clubs looking at him, I'm sure, in the, the, the top six of the Premier League probably um, looking at him and, and thinking he can maybe do a job right now at the highest level. Oh, but okay. I agree with you, Ian. I mean, if he could go up with Wolves this year, or obviously they're going to go up this year, they're going to be busy again in the summer and they're, they're more than good enough to compete next year. You know, we're probably talking about a team that's capable of finishing in mid-table. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they'd finish mid-table if they were up this season. Um, the thing that's really impressed me about Neves, though, is that, you know, it, it's not it's not a video game. You can't just drop good players into the championship and, and, and get mm. results because they're good players. To have the attitude to get through that gruelling season and not complain about getting kicked about or any rough treatment, I mean, that's... That's almost unprecedented, isn't it? He was man-marked Sol Bamber on corners in the first <laughs> half as well. So uh, I think he's adjusted to the challenge by this stage. But he's one of those players where if he makes one wrong foot, he'll always do the next thing right. So there was, I remember there was a bit of uh, poor control in the second half at one stage and the next thing he did was skin the right back and put in a great cross. So he's always basically living up to his own standards, isn't he? This isn't the first time that Nuno's caused a bit of controversy with uh, the, the way he's conducted himself on the sidelines. Uh, he's going to be an interesting addition to the Premier League, isn't he? Absolutely. He he seems to like a bit of a, a ruckus on the uh, touchline. He's been sent to the stands twice this season. There was that scene against Bristol City where he was up in the stands by the director's box and he was celebrating the victory there pretty wildly as well. And there was uh, an old Bristol City fan giving him a jab and telling him to sit down. Uh, <laughs> and and the, the same thing happened at Middlesbrough as well. It was uh, another relief really to, to get to the end of that game because obviously Wolves had nine men and uh, and Santo celebrated again there before shaking Tony Pulis's hand. So he said afterwards he, he owned up tonight, uh, he held his hands up on this occasion and uh, he said, yeah, he needs to maybe learn that it's not the way things are done over here, but what does that really mean anyway? Sam, just six games left for Cardiff now. As you said earlier, the next two, Villa away and Norwich away, are going to be very, very tricky. Can you see him hanging on to second? Yeah, I can. I, I still make them, them favourites over over Fulham I think they'll respond I think they have done throughout the season just when we were writing them off just after the new year they went on that scintillating run so I think they've got the, the character and they've also got the manager serial promotion winner uh, to, to get over the line but Fools, uh, Fulham aren't going to go away definitely not Social Paul playing the role of Joe Crilly from William Hill um, what are the numbers looking like for promotion from the championship? Um, we're no longer taking bets for Wolves going up. Unsurprising. Um, you can get Cardiff 11 to 4 on, uh, Fulham outside at 15 to 8 on, then it drops a little. Uh, Aston Villa 9 to 4, Derby 4 to 1, Middlesbrough 9 to 2, uh, Millwall, who we spoke about a little earlier, 12 to 1. Um, we're going down to Bristol City at 25 to 1. That will do. I don't think Bristol City are going anywhere near the Premier League this season, I'm afraid. All right, when we come back, we'll be playing the Fan League. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag YourOdds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gamblerware.org and when the fun stops, stop. Right, tricky fan league this week. Um, you know where it is. It's on the App Store. Just type in fan league. You get 13 fixtures. Just pick home win, away win or draw. Of course, we're recording this on a Tuesday morning. We have no idea what the results will be Tuesday evening. So it's a uh, perfectly good time to go ahead and look forward to the weekend, isn't it, Matt? 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to predict uh, how Aston Villa and Cardiff will do after their game tonight. Well, Cardiff is first up uh, away at Norwich um, after playing Villa in midweek. Um, Norwich, did you see them at the weekend? Yeah, they looked brilliant, didn't they? Completely bossed it against Aston Villa. So another test for Cardiff. Um, and I think that game tonight against Aston Villa will be a good one for them to get back on track, really, because it's a Villa side that play a similar-ish type of football to Cardiff and yet don't do it as well. So I think maybe draw for the game at Norwich. Sam? Really enjoyed watching Norwich at times this season. Um, you know, a lot of good players, Vrancic, Madison, Murphy as well, I think, doing it. Some goal by in, Murphy, wasn't oh, it? What a season he's having. I, I really like their midfield. I think it's both ends they need to improve, probably uh, defensively and also add a couple of strikers. And then Farker won't be too far away. But I think given that they've not got much to play for, I'll go for Cardiff to uh, to get a win there. Well, I think a draw for that one. Uh, I also think a draw for QPR Preston. QPR got their bums handed to him. Um, by Hull at the weekend. Preston's one win in five now, I think. Their playoffs hopes have all but dissolved. How do you see this game, Matt? Yeah, draw as well. I think Preston look a little bit exhausted now and have been pushing for that playoff spot all season but just haven't quite made it. I think draws are a good bet for that one. QPR, knowing them this year, they'll probably respond from that Hull defeat with a good win tonight and then, yeah, maybe a draw at the weekend. All right, here's my wildcard upset shout for next weekend. Reading against Sunderland. Yeah, Sunderland to win. That's what I'm going for. Because they, they were all right against Leeds. I'm, a point at Ellen Road, that's a good result. And they were all right against Sheffield Wednesday. Got done with uh, a bad penalty call. Yeah, Leeds played pretty well against Fulham when they lost there. I think, uh, Sam, you were saying that you, you were at that game. and uh, so, so definitely going to Ellen Road and getting a point is, is a decent result. Um, I think Paul Clement's still getting things together at Reading. So I think a draw. Sam? <sighs> Ian, I think that's a good shout. I'll go away win. Yeah. They can't do another 1 0, can they? Talked Reading. him into it. Talked him into it. Uh, Fulham, Brentford. I mean, ordinarily, I've got a lot of love for Brentford, um, but they've got nothing to play for. Fulham have got everything to play for. This fairly comfortable home win, isn't it? I'm going to go for a draw in this one. This is my wild card because I think Brentford will really enjoy playing against a Fulham side that likes to play football as well, and I think it'll be a really entertaining match. I'll go for a Fulham win, but Brentford. Still got a slight outside chance. They must win, so they'd love to upset the odds, but I'd just go with Fulham keeping up that momentum. All right, uh, last one on the slip from the Championship. Wolves against Birmingham. Now, I might have gone for Birmingham for this one. Wolves pretty much up, maybe slackening off, as we we saw they did earlier in the season. Birmingham played quite well under Gary Monk. Now they've settled, up until Saturday, when they almost got beaten by Burton. Birmingham gave uh, Wolves a good game at St Andrews earlier in the season as well, so they'll uh, they'll go there and think that they can uh, test them. But I think Wolves for this one, they, they're so close and they could get over the line as well for, for the title. Sam, yeah, I think if there's something on it like the you know if they can secure the the promotion against Birmingham, I think they'll be too strong. But uh, much improved under Gary Monk. All right, that's the Fan League. Find it on the App Store. Just search for Fan League. Um, Good luck if you've joined us in the uh, Totally Football League show league. Uh, Lawrence White, he just keeps getting eight, nine, tens out of of his slip, and uh, I think he's going to win the title here. Lawrence Algorithm White there. He is. He's giving us all a good shoeing. I think I'm 55th or something with an average of like six and a half right answers out of 13. That's pretty good going for you. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, When we come back, League One. League One Roundup. Blackburn beats Southend. 1 0. Well done. He's 13. We're going to back into the top two, and in some style, they annihilated MK Duns on Saturday, running out 5-1 winners. They're two points behind Blackburn, two points ahead of Shrewsbury, and they've got a game in hand. And we'll take a closer look in a moment, but Plymouth beat Peterborough 2-1 at home park as the fight for the playoff places intensifies. Very much enjoying, and they've got a game in hand, like a blockbuster movie trailer. Rotherham inflicted a first defeat on John Sheridan as Fleetwood went down 3-2 at the New York Stadium, while Charlton stay in a top six on goal difference after a hard-fought 1-1 draw at Bristol Rovers. And Rochdale versus Portsmouth was the game of the weekend in League One as Pompey snatched a 3-3 draw thanks to an injury time on goal from Matt Dunn. 
Bury are almost buried. They lost 1-0 at Walsall on Saturday. It was their sixth defeat on the spin, and if they don't beat Northampton on Saturday, they are relegated. Bradford started 2018 with a win, but they've only won once since then, and they were destroyed 5-0 by Blackpool at the weekend. It is not going well at Valley Parade. AFC Wimbledon are just about keeping their heads above the waterline, though. They were denied a win by a late Scunthorpe equaliser, but they are a point above the drop zone. No wins in four, though. They could really do with one against Chelton tonight. Gillingham and Doncaster both made it to 50 points with a 0-0 draw at Priestfield, but Oxford are still looking nervously over their shoulders after they could only draw 0-0 at home to Oldham. All right, let's have a look then at our League One game of the weekend, uh, Plymouth against Peterborough. Ended 2-1 to Plymouth thanks to a Graham Carey stoppage time penalty, but that's that's only really half the story. Uh, Liam Shepard was sent off in the 75th minute. Straight red card for violent conduct after um, a collision we shall say, with with Graham Carey. Um, Certainly that's what Steve Evans thought. After the game, he said uh, it's a shambolic decision. I think an earlier tackle by Jamie Ness on George Cooper was probably a straight red. If you give Ness the benefit of the doubt, it's still a second yellow. The referee buckled under the crowd, so he's a buckler for me. There's no question over his integrity or his honesty. He's produced a diabolical performance in such a big game for both clubs. Sam, you saw the game, the incident. Um, Was it a red card? It's not even a foul. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think. But um, yes, I can completely understand why he's he's so disappointed. I think Matt was saying that the, the fourth official gave it. I mean, it was it, it was interesting because when I watched it, I, I went back and forth on the tape, and the referee isn't looking, and I don't think the linesman's looking either. Mm. So it is a strange for such a big decision to be made like that. It's a, it's a really bad decision, and obviously the game probably changes on that somewhat. Um, I don't think there's too much. Uh, I don't think it's too contentious. The penalty decision, I think, it's a bit of a rash challenge. The the game that uh, the the incident that actually hands the three points to Plymouth in the last minute. But yeah, I can certainly understand why Steve Evans is upset. And uh, he said he was a Peterborough fan when he went to Posh and he's certainly talking like one there. <laughs> Matt, what did you make of it? I thought Plymouth looked really good. They've, they've been in incredible form, haven't they, since December. And uh, especially with Ryan Taylor coming back in the side since he returned uh, to the starting lineup, that's really what's been a key ingredient in their form, turning around. And uh, obviously he got the goal to, to put them back level in the first half but Plymouth just the way they moved the ball they were really patient around the edge of the box uh, with Ness and Fox sort of playing at the base of midfield and then Lemiras drifting in from the left into central positions Carey zipping all over the place it was a really convincing performance by them and I think they look very strong shouts for playoff I thought Jamie Ness was absolutely fantastic and um, I was sort of having a little read up on him this morning I didn't realise he'd suffered so badly with injuries um, but he seems to be fit now and You've got to look at Plymouth as promotion, promotion probably favourites for the playoffs with that kind of momentum. Well, he's been clever because he's brought down some lads from Scotland that he trusted. He would have known Ness from, from Rangers and, and Derek Adams, obviously, at Ross County. And likewise, Graham Carey. Nobody knew about Graham in this country. And um, You knew about him, though, didn't you? Yeah, he's a big mate of mine, actually. Really enjoyed his company when we were at St Mirren together. Um, needs a bit of love. Yeah, needs looking after he can be a little bit petulant at times but what a footballer oh. on his day and, and 12 goals 12 assists in 36 games for midfield and this is the well you know a wide player if you like and uh, this is the second season that he's done it uh, so the consistency since he's come down to, to England has been astonishing and you can only see him going on from here because he's, he's a young lad with loads of talent and um, yeah he's a bit of a maverick but um, he's capable of scoring outstanding goals oh, and providing yeah. assists. Some of the goals he scored this season have been incredible. But the best goal of this game, Matt, Jack Marriott. Brilliant goal, wasn't it? Fantastic. And Talk us through it. Well, it's a long punk forward and uh, Sonny Bradley, the defender, uh, takes an awful touch and Marriott just seizes upon it, doesn't he? And lifts it over the goalkeeper. Standing goalkeeper, Kyle Leatherham, because Rem Matthews was out after uh, his wife had a child. So congratulations to him. Um, but Jack Marriott, Steve Edwards was talking about him in the same breath as uh, Ronaldo and Messi before the game and saying he's worth close to 10 million. And I think he proved it. Bloody hell. He's only been hanging around with Barry Fry for a couple of weeks and it's already... It's already rubbing off on him. Well, Barry Fry, who said Leonardo da Silva Lopez was the best youngster he'd seen coming through at football clubs since George Best at Manchester United. <laughs> so a bit of pressure on him as well. 
Plymouth, the, the way they've turned this season around, I know we've yeah. spoken about it before, but it bears repeating again. It's extraordinary. They were bottom of the table just before Christmas. Yeah, and last summer we probably spoke about Portsmouth and Plymouth continuing uh, their momentum this season and being probably favourites, uh, certainly to get in the playoffs, etc. And it didn't happen for them at all. So outstanding achievement for, from Derek Adams. Um, I can still see Portsmouth and Peterborough being really strong end of this season, just for the reason you've just been talking about. Marriott uh, at Peterborough and, of course, Brett Pittman at Portsmouth. And I think Plymouth and Charlton maybe don't have that one that you can say is going to get you a return of goals before the end of the season in that same regard to those two clubs. So there's a lot of work still to be done for Plymouth and Charlton in the playoff positions at the moment. Well, so it's going to yeah. be a tremendous race. I mean, such a big game, but it hasn't actually really done too much in terms of the race for what I think we can probably say are two playoff places. Rotherham are on 69. They're not going to trouble the big three. Um, They're seven points uh, safe in the playoffs, as it were, with uh, five or six games, depending on who you are left. Um, But we've got in fifth place, Plymouth with 63, Sickford Cholton with 62, just outside the playoffs by three goals difference. Uh, Portsmouth also on 62, Peterborough on 61, Scunthorpe on 61. That is five teams separated by two points and all with very, very similar goal difference as well. It's going to be really close. It is. It's very difficult to call. Obviously, uh, Charlton have been exceptional since since Bowyer's got the job there and Scunthorpe tailed off a little bit. So you'd maybe have to suggest that they might be out of it. So Portsmouth... Peterborough, Charlton and Plymouth for, for two spots. And it's also tight in there that had Portsmouth actually beaten Rochdale rather than salvaging a point against them, they'd be fifth. Yeah, I'm sure that's how Kenny Jackett planned it to get an own goal in the last <laughs> minute to snatch a 3-3 draw. But uh, Portsmouth been in brilliant form and uh, they beat Wigan as well not so long ago. So I think it's probably between Plymouth, Charlton and Portsmouth. And I think Peterborough now won winning five after that Plymouth defeat and, and they didn't play very well at all. They were missing Madison, it has to be said. Actually, he rolled his ankle apparently in training on Friday, so that was a big blow for them. But I, I think they could be out of it. Is it is it too much to expect Steve Evans to turn this around for Peterborough now? No, I don't think so. I think he's um, they've certainly had a little boost as soon as he went in there. I, I wouldn't rule them out at all. And, and like I said, I think Marriott getting goals, some good young players in that squad. And, and he's been there and done it like a Neil Warnock he's got the experience of uh, promotions before so no I'd still fancy them to finish really strongly Oh, to Social Paul playing the role of Joe Crilly from William Hill uh, let's have a look at those numbers on League One promotion well nothing between Blackburn and Wigan you can get them at 25-1 to 1 on um, then we go down to Shrewsbury at 6-4 to 4, Rotherham at 9-4 to 4, Portsmouth at 6-1 to 1, Charlton at 7-1 to 1, Plymouth at 8-1 to 1, and Scunthorpe also on 8-1 to 1. All right, that's Plymouth and Peterborough and sitting in between uh, League One and League Two. The Football League trophy, I still think the Football League have dodged a bullet here because that could easily have ended up Chelsea's under-23s against someone else's under-23s played out on empty Wembley. That's two years on the bounce now that they've ended up with third and fourth division clubs there. But absolutely not going to piss on anyone's chips here because it's a day out of Wembley for two teams who needed it. What happened with Shrewsbury? Uh, well, let's ask the man who was there. We spoke to Matt Sadler. Listeners, when it comes to shaving, you value precision. And so do Harry's. They value precision so much that their blades are German engineered. They value precision so much that their razor handle is non slip with textured grip. They value precision so much. They've insisted that we make this ad exactly 60 seconds long. Not 30, not 44, but 60 on the nose. And that's why I've just changed all my shaving products to Harry's. And you can too by heading to harrys.com slash league. Harry's cucumber and aloe shave gel lathers into a luxurious foam, allowing those aforementioned German-engineered blades to glide across your face. And their post-shave balm will leave you extra cool and fresher than ever. Because you listen to the Totally Football League show, you can get a special Harry's trial set delivered right to your door for just £3.95. Find out more at harrys.com slash league. Matt, um, we're, we're two days on from Wembley. How are you feeling? You know, the, yesterday was tough. It was uh, it, I needed to get it out of my system today, and having trained this morning, that's done exactly that. I've been around the lads again, 
Uh, it was, of course, tough to take. Uh, that was my first Wembley appearance. Um, and uh, one obviously quite obviously wanted it to go a different way. Um, but uh, on the day, we didn't quite play to the way that we usually do and have all season. Uh, and uh, and uh, Lincoln did, and, and they scored the goal. And uh, unfortunately, we couldn't find a way past their keeper. Well, this is the thing. We're big fans of Shrewsbury on the show. We've been watching you all season, first with kind of amazement that a team expected to be battling against relegation was up there, and then just you know, with an increasing sense of wonder that you were you're actually staying up there until we finally accepted that actually you're really, really good. But we, <laughs> I, I don't think we saw the real Shrewsbury at Wembley. Yeah, we did. And unfortunately, that can happen. Um, it was uh, what we are. We're a good athletic group of uh, players, young group, um, who unfortunately on the day we just didn't play the way, that, as I say, as we usually do, as we have done and, and have proved uh, on many occasions this season uh, so far, um, it was the 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 the, the age old just wasn't our day, and we didn't quite play uh, the way that we usually do. But uh, fortunately, that's uh, that's not the end of the story, um, and uh, we we uh, we have a very good opportunity on Thursday to put that right straight away, straight again on the uh, on the telly uh, in front of the national cameras again. And we get an opportunity to put things right. What What's the mood been like in the camp um, today at training? And how how easy is it to get back on your feet after that? Uh, I think it ha- it has to be. Uh, we have to take um, the fact that yeah, you know, the learning experience from it. We we didn't quite turn up on the day, but uh, in as you've just through the season that we've had, there are pre- plenty of uh, points to to look at that we can say, okay, you know what we are a better team than what we have showed on the day um, and uh, and it's up to up to us again with that little point to prove that with that little bit between our teeth uh, people will probably be now expecting us to fall off a bit of a cliff again um, as they have done at different stages in this season and it's up to us to us to continue to prove people wrong is that is that what's motivated you this year because there seems to be a really good team spirit you can see with the way that you're playing football everyone's working for each other but are you just trying to keep going and, and, and keep showing people that they don't know what they're talking about I think it's been a, a little bit of a mantra if you like throughout the whole season we've um, we've had pinned up on one of the notice boards in in the training ground, the pre-season predictor, predictions of where we'd be, and uh, as we you've probably spoken about, it was for relegation cannon fodder. Um, so, and that will stay up until the end of the season, until the job's done. Um, and it, it has been a case of okay, let's let's prove people wrong, and and so far we've proved proven that that we we're capable of that. Um, Sunday was another little kick in the teeth along that journey. There hasn't been many because there's been a lot of uh, a lot of wins this season. But um, with that, uh, there comes a, another added motivation to, to put things right. And, and that has to always be the mindset uh, for people who want to move forward. And this group of, of people definitely want to move forward. Well, there certainly doesn't seem to be any lack of courage. One thing that really um, stood out, uh, Toto Nishala pulling off his... Um, Pulling off his face mask in in what was a pretty physical battle. I mean, that kind of epitomised yeah. everything the team's about, didn't it? Well, yeah. The fact that Toto was playing shows that he, he you know he had a really bad injury, somewhat a week or ten days previous to that at Rochdale away. Um, so he, you know, he had a really bad injury on his. I think he fractured his cheekbone or something like that. Uh, but there were never any doubt in Toto's mind that he wanted and was going to play the game. Unfortunately, uh, the mask. I think he, part of the uh, part of the actual mask broke off. I think is what happened. Um, so then he was just slipping and sliding in front of his face. So um, I think there was an incident in the first half where he was rolled a ball from the keeper and he, he couldn't see where the ball was. He was you know, running around in circles trying to see where the ball was. Um, so he needed to take that off. But again, fair play to him. He's on the pitch in a physical battle without his mask on, playing with a broken, a fractured, uh, a fractured cheekbone which, um, again, epitomises what we're all about. You know, there's nobody shirking any challenges here. There's, uh, we uh, have pride ourselves on our physicality in terms of our athleticism this season, um, but also our heart. So uh, that was another, uh, another chance that he's shown what that's all about. Matt, thanks so much for speaking to us. Wish you all the best for the run-in now, and let's hope that you, uh, you go up automatically. Thank you very much, mate, and all the best. Great work, you guys. 
we got an email from Dave Patrick, a Shrewsbury fan, which which surprised me a little, and I wanted to kind of discuss it. He said, um, first of all, he said, thank you for the podcast, which is first class, so we'll, we'll always include that in a sort of Steve Wright kind of broadcasty way. Uh, just one request, please, from a long-suffering Shrew supporter. Enough of the plucky Shrewsbury bit. Um, another Wembley defeat, another game where one up front shows no tactical now, and please don't tell us we'll make it in the playoffs. Blackburn and Wigan came down from the championship last season, so they're proper championship teams or Premier League teams. We can't compete with that, and in the playoffs it's all about momentum, and it's Plymouth who make it up through that route. When you review the Football League trophy final, just congratulate Lincoln for doing their job. Don't mention Shrewsbury. Paul Hurst blames the players, which I think is unfair as he's the man who picks the formation. I didn't expect Shrewsbury fans to be turning on Paul Hurst at, at this stage, given everything. Matt? Mm, maybe when you've spent a lot of money going down to Wembley for the day, it's probably frustration, isn't it? When was that email written? Sunday night, perhaps, <laughs> after the game? So, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they need to be patient still, don't they? I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to preach to Shrewsbury fans. You know, I'm sure they know how to support their football club, but uh, I still think that they will do well in the playoffs because they've proven themselves to be a cup team and even the way they played against West Ham over two games, only losing in extra time to them in the FA Cup, I think, you know, that they're set up to win games 1-0, narrow results, and, and they could do it. I, I would stress that I don't think we've used the word plucky about Shrewsbury, but as, as Dave does point out, Blackburn and Wigan, not just championship teams, but kind of Premier League teams as well. And when a team like Shrewsbury are competing with them, with their resources, a team that we all thought were probably going to be in a relegation battle, you kind of have to make a big thing about that and praise them for it. Um, but he does make an interesting point, because Shrewsbury weren't very good on Sunday, mm. Sam. No, it's a shame, but I mean, Lincoln are a bit of a one-off, in you know, in terms of how robust they are. Very physical side. And um, it looked like they, they just about deserved it. But, um, yeah, it, it kind of looked like it was written in the, the stars somewhat. First time they'd been to Wembley. Uh, Colin Murphy, a former manager of Lincoln, led them out. They were massively outnumbered, the Shrewsbury supporters, in terms of what Lincoln took. So it was very similar feeling watching it to when I went there with Luton and everything was against you. And you kind of fancied Lincoln and... Um, Having said that, I mean, Reed should have been sent off. I don't think there's any argument well, about that. Yeah, let's let's go through that. Matt, what happened there? Well, he completely took out the goalkeeper, didn't he? It looked like someone had thrown a wardrobe at the keeper. <laughs> uh, completely flattened. And then Reed looks around and does the innocent schoolboy uh, look to the referee. But yeah, he, he probably should have been sent off for that. Sam, you're what, six foot two, mm. six foot three? You know, powerful striker. You can handle yourself a bit. W- what did you make of that challenge? Was that just, just one of those things or has he done him? I think he had a little tug from Matt Sadler. But I think he knew what he was doing. Yeah, I think it's a really poor challenge and uh, he's a very aggressive player at times and obviously where he's come from, he's had to use his physicality. Uh, Danny Cowley made the point that people are overly physical with him and he has to dust himself down and get on with the game and that, that could be a point, but that was a really poor challenge and the goal came quite quickly after that and it's a bit of a goalkeeping error. I know it was a little bit of a slippy surface, but Henderson's been so good this season that that was a little bit of an error for him. And um, Danny Cowley's been lovely about the goal scorer because he's been a bit of an unsung hero, Whitehouse. And mm. he said it was uh, written in the, the football gods or something. <laughs> like, if that's the right, if that's the right phrase, that he was going to get the goal. So fair play to Lincoln, but it's just a shame that that Shrewsbury didn't do what they've been doing so well in the league week in week out. Yeah, it's. It, I thought it was really interesting because we've spoken about both teams on this show. And last week you were telling everyone about Shrewsbury and what it is that they've mm. done and the reason that they are up there with, with Blackburn and Wigan. And we've also spoken uh, with, with you, I think, about Lincoln and the fact that the Cowley brothers, who are quite rightly being linked with all sorts mm. of bigger jobs at the moment, aren't necessarily the kind of... The, the managerial uh, pairing that, that maybe some supporter basis will like because they are very, very cynical. And, and if you're watching this game, if this was the first mm. time you'd seen Lincoln, you'd have seen everything that they do from that strange conga line of attackers they have for set pieces that then break up and mm. go in different directions to the, the, you know, not quite a reliance on Reed, but they are a very sort of dark-hearted, cynical, pragmatic team, aren't they? They are, and uh, I know all about the story, the rise through the non-leagues. I didn't see them you know, at Concord, etc., Braintree. I did see them at Braintree, but not uh, very regularly. So I can only go with what I've seen this season, and it's quite a unique style of, of playing. They've got two kind of inverted wingers that come in. They, they can play a little bit, and at times the midfielders can play, but obviously they, they utilise the strengths of the big man up front. Green's a good foil for him as well, and they've got Palmer as well. I think he comes off the bench and does a fine job for him as well. So they've got goals, 
at the top end of the pitch. They're always a threat, but they obviously get it to them as, as quickly as possible. I wanted to just say about Allsop as well, the goalkeeper, an outstanding save oh, yeah. from Beckles from the header. And uh, I saw the semi-final against Chelsea's under-21s and the fans were really at him around that period. He made two terrible mistakes against Swindon in the previous league game. So he's a, a club legend. And so that was quite fitting that he, he made an outstanding save at the weekend. Matt, just to go back to the Cowleys, uh, just before we move on, because I, I want to stress, it's not a criticism of them. I think it's incredible what they've done, the way they, they find every weakness and they exploit it. They're really, really good managers. Where could you see them going this summer? This talk of Ipswich, isn't there, to replace Mick McCarthy and... You could see that sort of being a bit of a continuation of uh, of what Mick McCarthy's put in place at Ipswich in terms of the style of football, very pragmatic approach, and 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 that might be what Ipswich need really, not completely tearing it up and trying out a completely new style, doing something that's more transitional and and bringing in two younger managers who maybe will take a look at signing players from League One, League Two, maybe poaching a few from non-league as well, and just have a few different ideas really. All right. When we come back, League Two Roundup. League Two Roundup. Accrington continue to storm the division. Their 1-0 victory over Colchester, Billy Key naturally, has put them three points ahead of Luton, but more pertinently... 11 ahead of fourth-placed Exeter. They're almost there, and so are Luton. The Hatters have made hard work of this run-in, but a 3-0 victory at Yeovil puts them in a really strong position in second. Wickham didn't play this weekend, but they're still third, ahead of Paul Tisdale's Grecians, who beat Cambridge 3-2 in what we're obliged to call a ferocious ding-dong. There's still hope for Barnet. They beat Forest Green Rovers 1-0 to drag Mark Cooper's side down to 22nd, while Morecambe are still in trouble too after a 3-0 defeat at Cheltenham. And it's already looking terrible for David Flitcroft at Mansfield. The Stags haven't won in seven games under the new boss, losing 4-3 at home to Crewe. Grimsby have won a game. We'll talk about it a bit more in a bit, but they've won. Notts County won too, but they've paid a heavy price for their inconsistency because they're still way back in fifth. And Port Vale could still get sucked down. They were beaten 2-1 at home by Harry Kiel's Crawley. It's back-to-back wins for new Stevenage manager Dino Mamria, who watched his side win 1-0 at Newport while Swindon and Carlisle are close to joining Newport on the beach, a nil-nil draw doing little to help their playoff hopes. All right, Grimsby against Chesterfield. Um, absolute knife fight. We spoke to Lloyd Griffith from Soccer AM. Fantastic day for Grimsby at the weekend. First win in 21 games. I mean, it sounds insane, doesn't it? Like, you haven't won for 21 That's nearly 21 half games. a season. Yeah, and... I mean, you know, you know when they say like time flies when you're having fun. I mean, to be fair, it seems almost yesterday that we uh, that we actually beat Forest Green on the I think it was ninth of December um, that it happened, and we just it, we've just spiraled out of control since then. And it's just it's almost been a bit of a joke. I mean, you go, it's a dream, it's a joke. Like, this this can't be happening. Um, but it, it did 21 games, and uh, it was at the hands of uh, at Chesterfield. Yeah, what a game to them. win! What a game to win! Absolute knife fight in a pub car park. Yeah, I mean it's the old cliche, and it? it's a six pointer. But I mean this was so this was so much more. Um, and, I mean, we, if had we lost to them, it'd have been absolutely game over. I mean they've got three games in hand. Forest Green have got a game in hand. I think Barnet might be resigned to relegation. I'm not entirely sure, but I think we threw the kitchen sink at it. And luckily, in the 88th minute, um, we managed to nick a winner. So, um, so what's Michael Jolly done different? Well, to be fair, I'm not entirely sure at the moment. I mean, usually when a new manager comes in, you expect there to be a bit of an uplift and, you know, t- players are playing for a place in the team. And it didn't really seem that that had happened. I think just around the stadium is a bit more of a like a, a positive mentality because he comes from a different breed of managers. You know, he isn't um, someone that has done the rounds. He's come in a little bit, I guess, and I don't want to draw too much of a comparison because I know I'll get taken apart by Lincoln City fans, but a little bit like the Cowley brothers did when they came into to, to Lincoln. There seems just to be a bit of a, oh, it's a bit of a new era. He's not a journeyman. 
And we had just, you know, it, it was, it, I'm not dissing Russell Slade, but it, we were a team that we were, you know, 10 years ago when we were fighting and uh, in League Two and treading water. I think Michael Jolly's just come in with a different mentality, a different approach. And he's kind of like, he's talked about psychology on and off the pitch, which I don't think had happened before. Oh, we actually, on the podcast that me and David Priest had been interviewed, um, Paul Farman, and he said that Lincoln had become a team of robots, but in a good way, where it's like, right, we need to win. There was no emotional context in it. I'm hoping that that might be similar to, to what happens with, uh, with with Jolly's team. But, I mean, we've we've won the game. You kind of hope now it'd be a bit of a waterfall and uh, the goals will come flooding in. But who, who knows, mate? Well, good luck for the rest of the season. Uh, let's see if you can clamber out of that mess and stay there. Bless you. Thanks very much, mate. <laughs> All right, Matt, Lloyd's very excited. He's got every right to be first win in 21 games. Um, turns it all around. We watched the game. Grimsby, they're crap. They're so bad. I don't think they're out of this. Oh, they're definitely not out of it. Um, they still do that thing, and Every time I've seen them this season, they'll get within about 30 yards of goal, then get incredibly excited and just shank it into the crowd. Oh, and when they're on the back foot, there's so much room. They're, they're midfielders and fullback. If the ball's going down one flank, everyone gets drawn together and just acres and acres of space open up. Yeah, it's a really interesting type of pressing, four players approaching the ball and leaving space behind them. And uh, the gaps, again, between the defence and midfield. They were very lucky to come away with all three points here, getting that penalty right at the end. And it was a classic story of Chesterfield, really. Dominated the ball, but not the chances. Didn't create much for Christian Dennis. And even though they pass it around quite nicely at times, they allowed Grimsby to get back into it. Jack Lester was absolutely furious about the penalty. He said, we came here thinking we would win. We had chances enough to do that. And in the end, we've lost it on something we can't control. Is that fair? Was it a penalty? bit contentious. I've, I've looked at it from various different angles and tried to stop it. But his arm was out there a little bit. I think he's um, he, he can't really see because there's a couple of players competing in front of the centre-half. Goes up. I've, you know, I, I could... I can see it being a penalty. It's dispatched really well by uh, Rose, who's under enormous amounts of pressure and a glorious pitch invasion. It really was, but I I worry about stuff like that because there's still quite a distance to go and a pitch invasion for a big win like that. Sometimes you invoke the gods of football. You invoke their wrath. I, I wonder if that might come back to haunt them. It's definitely the sort of thing you could be talking about at the end of the season, isn't yeah. it? And remember Grimsby's pitch invasion only five games ago, and now they're down. Yeah, I mean, that said, I mean, we're, we're being a bit harsh here. Michael Jolly, um, who's come into a very troubled football club, um, it had been going wrong for so long under Russell Slade. Um, he hasn't come in with a, a huge reputation in the game and he said afterwards uh, where I have to give them credit is that they've kept being positive they've kept trying to play on the front foot we're not perfect we're well aware of that but it's a powerful thing when you've got lads that will keep going and put a real shift in so much of football Sam it comes down to confidence confidence in the individual and in the group and confidence in each other will a result like that kind of ease out some of these problems I'm not not so sure it will. <laughs> oh, you know, I think if you get a three three nil, uh, you know, four one, a handsome victory at home when you're in the kind of predicament they're in, that can turn a season around. But the nature of that win, as glorious as it would have been, you know, at full time for those lads, the relief and the elation of winning a football match, I think the way got they got it was quite fortuitous. So, still a long way to go for them. And and I said on this show a, a few months ago, as bad as this uh, run has been for for Grimsby. I saw them early in the season. I did not see this happening no. under Russell Slade. They had Jaycee and Dembele on the either side. Um, I think Jones, who went to Shrewsbury up front alongside Jamal Matten, they looked all right. So I, I'm really surprised at the predicament they find themselves in. But obviously, the Grimsby supporters. Um, have really been through the mill in the last few months. I'm still surprised at the fact that Chesterfield are down there. And I, I must have a thing where every time I'm watching them, they, they play well. And every time I don't watch them, they don't. Chesterfield fans will know far better than me. And they have been out in force um, on on the internet. Um, Spyrite2 says, Jack, Jack Lester, obviously, please resign. This club is a basket case and you can't save us. Wow. Calvin Plummer's socks. He says, I think appointing Jack may have been the worst decision that the chairman has made so far, which is saying something as he signed Dean Saunders, Gary Bleeding Caldwell, and so on and so forth. Um, so confidence not very high. 
sort of contrasting views there. Really. Mm. <laughs> one one chap blaming it on uh, the manager, the other blaming it on the club. And I think it was an incredibly difficult situation for Leicester to come into, like you say. And he's uh, he, he tried he's tried to mix it up. Like since, since he's come in, he, he uh, the way he played Andy Kellett, who has been a left back. Uh, he's on loan from Wigan. He famously signed for Manchester United on loan from Bolton a few years ago. And it was actually I've got to read this line from his Wikipedia page because it's fantastic. It's, uh, I do like a bit of salty Wikipedia goodness. And On the 2nd of February 2015, transfer deadline day, Manchester United beat off competition from Plymouth to sign Kellett on loan for the rest <laughs> of the season. But he was excellent in an attacking midfield role just behind Christian Dennis and linked the play really well. He, he's a good dribbler. And you can see what Leicester's trying to do there of... Instead of playing playing him back, back at fullback or back in midfield, giving him more advanced role where he can link the play, and uh, it just didn't work for him. Okay, social Paul playing the role of Joe Crilly from William Hill. Let's have a look at those League Two relegation odds. What do the numbers tell us? Uh, well, Barnet are still uh, favourites to get relegated. They're nine to two on. Ouch. Um, then we've got Chesterfield seven to two on. Oof. And then Grimsby, um, slightly better odds, five to two. All right, there you go. While we've got you here, there's so much football on telly this week. Uh, Tonight, which is Tuesday, if you're listening hot off the press, it's Aston Villa against Cardiff. Uh, What's that looking like? Uh, For a home win for Villa is uh, 13 to 10. For a draw is 11 to 5. And for a Cardiff win, it's 11 to 5 also. I have no idea. I'm not going anywhere near that one. Uh, Wolves Derby, home win would pretty much make it certain for Wolves to go up. Uh, that's correct, and they are favourites with thirteen to eight on. A draw is thirteen to five, and a away win for Derby is five to one. All right, Bradford City on Thursday got absolutely poleaxed at the weekend, five nil by Blackpool of all people, and they'll be playing a Shrewsbury team heartbroken by Wembley defeat. Can we get an upset there? Um, so you're looking for a home win is twenty-one to ten, uh, a draw twelve to five, and a win away win for Shrewsbury. Five to four. All right, price of a pint going on Bradford there. On Friday, Aston Villa leads. Again, no idea how to call that. What are, what are the bookies reckon? Um, Villa uh, for a home win, seven to four on. A draw, 11 to four. And leads for an away win, nine to two. And then on Saturday evening, lovely game of football. Matt reckons this will be very entertaining. I concur. Fulham against Brentford. Uh, it's looking like a home win here. Um, four to three on for Fulham. A draw, a 12 to 5, and an away win for Brentford, 10 to 3. All right, lovely stuff. Now we've got some uh, listener questions and listener emails uh, coming up. If you want to get in contact with us, do. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Insta Snaps, we're on Bleeding Everything. Uh, so send us messages, uh, even if they're nasty, because sometimes being shouted at is the only way we learn. Uh, Will Gunter's not nasty, though. You know Will Gunter. He uh, messaged a few weeks ago. Uh, he's uh, going to have his first child very soon. Um, he lives in America. Him and his brother have uh, just done a massive road trip of English football. They went to loads of games. You advise them where to go. They went to Brentford, Griffin Park. They loved it. They went to Arsenal. They hated it. They went to Portsmouth. They loved it. Wolves. They loved it. Leeds, they loved it. So very much a victory on atmosphere for league football there for Will Gunter. Um, He said, uh, while you've had a visitor for just a fortnight, you'll have a listener for life. So uh, that's really sweet, isn't it? Thank you very much, Will Gunter. And we haven't got much time for any more questions. Just enough for Thomas Rood, who says, are Millwall going to make it in the playoffs? Sam? Why not? I mean, amazing run that they're on and um, it's very difficult to pinpoint you know individuals in, in that lineup at the moment they've got two centre-halves and a goalkeeper who defend with their lives good full-backs really unsung heroes in midfield two wide players Wallace, Marshall chipping in with goals and an outstanding front two so it's just a carbon copy of the way Neil Harris used to play it's very similar and I can't see them letting up I can see them you know, having a really good end to the season and making it into those playoffs Honestly, they will be absolutely terrified in the Premier League right now. Matt, do you concur with that? I concur, definitely. It would be an amazing run if they do get there. But uh, George Shavell as well, he snapped up from Wolves in the summer. What season he's had for them? Uh, Football League Awards on Sunday, isn't it? Neil Harris, Manager of the Year, surely. Oh, he's got to be in with a shout for that. Yeah, if it doesn't go to to Nuno, um, you would say... Neil Harris will be the next one in line. If Nuno gets it, do you think he'll celebrate wildly before collecting the award? Do a knee slide in the Grosvenor House Hotel. <laughs> That's all we've got time for. Thank you so much, Sam Parkin. 
Cheers, Ian. Thank you so much, Matt Stanger. Cheers, Ian. And playing the role of Joe Crilly from William Hill, thank you so much, Social Paul. You're welcome. Thanks, producer Tayo. And thank you, dear listener, as well. We will see you next Tuesday. The Totally Football League show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email us at sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Game of Our Lives is a new podcast series hosted by the football historian David Goldblatt. It tackles themes like human nature, globalisation and geopolitics through the prism of the beautiful game. And if you, like us here at the Totally Football Show, have been hooked by what you've heard so far, then you'll definitely want to catch the latest episode, which is all about Colombia, Calcio and cartels. I grew up knowing that Atletico Nacional in Medellín belonged to drug dealers in the Medellín cartel. This was just the way it was. But... In the late 80s, people began dying. And then the worst moment for my generation, the moment that really became a metaphor of everything that was wrong with the situation in society and football, was the murder of Andres Escobar in 1994. If you want to learn more about why football matters, make sure you listen to Game of Our Lives on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. The Game of Our Lives podcast with David Goldblatt. Subscribe now. 